Are you ready to take your message, your business, and your life to the next level? Want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience, training tens of thousands of people from all around the world? Hi, Cliff. This is Pauline from Auckland, New Zealand. John from Calgary, Alberta. Amy Porterfield. Michael Hyatt. Dan here from Dunedin, New Zealand. Ray Edwards. Mark Mason. Mike Stelzner. Pat from Smart Passive Income. It's Darren from Melbourne, Australia. Now is the time to live the life of your dreams and do the work you feel most called to do in the world. Welcome to the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Here's your host, Cliff Ravenscraft. That's right, my friend. Welcome back to another episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Super delighted to have you tune in once again. Today, I'm going to be sharing with you a topic that just came to me as a source of major inspiration. And I was having a conversation with Stephanie and I said, you know what I've been experiencing lately on Clubhouse? And she said, no, I don't know what you've been experiencing on Clubhouse. Why don't you tell me? And so I said, well, I've created this method of hosting rooms on a consistent basis, offering live coaching for free in exchange for people who would be willing to allow me to coach them on Clubhouse with their permission to record our conversation in the event that I might potentially be able to or choose to, if I desire to share that conversation with a podcast audience, I could turn it into a piece of podcast content that our conversation could be of benefit to thousands of people around the world. And I've been doing that on Clubhouse. And I thought, you know what, I've had since December 9th of 2020, I've been on this platform, I've had hundreds and hundreds of conversations And most of them have been before I began recording these rooms on Clubhouse. And there's been so many different topics that I've covered and helped people with, and it's just been as varied as the one-on-one coaching calls that I do, just as varied as the hot seats, the topics that people bring to their hot seats in the Next Level Mastermind and the years that I've been hosting and facilitating those groups and It's just been an incredibly powerful, diverse number of conversations. But just recently, I began recording these conversations uh, with the permission of those who have been involved. And so when I asked that famous question as it relates to the title of the rooms that I host, the rooms are always or have always been titled Creating Your Dream Life, How May I Serve You? So I usually start off by saying hello, and I say their name, and how may I serve you this evening? Well, Cliff, I would love your help. I struggle with procrastination. <laughs> and so I get that. That's like the very first words that have been coming out of the mouths of practically every person that I've talked to in the past two and a half weeks. And I have lots of these conversations on Clubhouse. Cliff, here's what I need. I need help with procrastination. Now, it just may be that some of these folks who I'm connecting with on Clubhouse recently heard me talk to somebody else on Clubhouse, and we had a very big focused conversation on procrastination. And, And I think some of those people that I've since had conversations with said, oh my gosh, I need to talk to Cliff and I want to talk to him about my procrastination. So maybe it is the cyclical cyclical nature of the topic of procrastination is, is top of mind in their heads. And it's like, well, if Cliff can help him with his procrastination, maybe he can help me with my procrastination. But for whatever reason, it just seems that procrastination is the one thing most people want me to help them with. And here is what I have figured out in every single one of those conversations. Procrastination's not a problem for them. You see, when they say, Cliff, I want you to help me with my procrastination, it seems that I struggle with a lack of self-discipline. You know, I just, I just can't seem to bring myself to do these things. I keep putting them off, putting them off, to, and putting them off. And then most of these conversations, I, I ask them, I said, well, let me ask you this. Do you ultimately get it done? Well, yeah. I get it done by the deadline. Are you satisfied with your results? And for the most part, most people are saying, well, yeah. I said, like, so what's the problem? Well, the problem is that I could have done it earlier. I could have started on the project and got it finished in one week instead of one month. 
And I said, well, then why don't you just set the deadline for your client? Say, listen, I can get that done for you in, in one week from today instead of one month from today. And then I bet you if you did that, you probably would get it done in one week from today. Well, yeah. I said, well, then just go do that. <laughs> you see, procrastination most of the time is not the issue. And as I was having this conversation, I was telling Stephanie all of these things. I said, you know what? People don't have a problem with procrastination. The, the thing is, is they have, their issue is not with procrastination. The issue is that they have an unworthy goal problem. Maybe. And, and, and then, and then <laughs> this is what really fired me up. And, and Stephanie laughed at me because I got really fired up about it. I said, I'm going to go record a podcast on this. I said, you know what? You don't have a procrastination problem. You have a life uh, not worthy of living problem. That, that, that's what you got. You, you don't have an issue with procrastination. You have an issue with a life that's not worthy of living. Now, that one is a little controversial, and, and I recognize what I'm talking about here is not applicable to everybody's scenario of procrastination. I, I, would, I would love to just give in to full hyperbole and say that this is the case all of the time, everywhere, and procrastination has always been a great gift for me, and procrastination has never been detrimental to my success, and that's just not the case, and I recognize that, and I want you to understand that this is not a global solution to procrastination. So I recognize there are many issues of procrastination that probably maybe would you might benefit from getting some help on as far as the procrastination itself so that you can get something done. And there and I may come back and address that in 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 the moment. However, what I'd like to title this episode is procrastination as a gift. Now again I'm not saying that it's always a gift, but in many cases, I see procrastination as a gift. You know, procrastination, what is it? It's putting off that stuff that that we feel like, you know, I really want to do this, but I just can't seem to bring myself to do it. Or I really need to do this. Or I really should do this. You know, there's like, man, I have had this goal. And it's been manifested in conversation a lot lately. It's like I've been struggling to get this thing going for the last several years. And I just can't seem to get myself to really take bold action towards fill in the blank. Now, that would be representative of about 75% of the conversations. It's just like, I've been putting this off for years. I'd really like to do this. I really need to do this. I really should do this. But it's never been a case of something that I must do. Uh, there's a quote, and I've got some handwritten notes because I, after this conversation with Stephanie, I said, oh my gosh, people don't have a problem with procrastination. They just have a problem with a life that's not worthy of living. And, and I'm like, okay, I know that that is probably going to rub some people the wrong way, but I'm going to I'm going to share how this statement has been true in my life. The times when I've experienced procrastination at its highest uh, level in my own life, it's because the things that I was doing on a daily basis, the things that worked on my to-do list on a daily basis were not things that led to a life that was worthy of living any longer. I'm, and and so I'm, I've got some notes here that I wrote in my journal as I came down and I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I have a podcast episode here. And so I remembered off the top of my head a quote from Tony Robbins. He says, people are not lazy. They simply have impotent goals. That is goals that do not inspire them. Let's see here. So I, I'm going to read my notes here and see if where this leads in this conversation. This is very impromptu. This is off the top of my head. This has not been outlined ahead of time. And I'm just sharing with you from my heart. And I'll determine after I finish recording this whether or not you get the privilege of listening to it in a podcast feed. By the way, I am actually recording this live in front of a clubhouse audience, and so there are some people here, and I can judge whether or not this is resonating with people based upon how many people exit the room as I continue to have this conversation. And so I'm keeping a little bit of an eye on that, and and based upon how many people who were here at the beginning of this recording and how many people are here at the end of this recording may give me some sort of indicator as to whether or not this might make a good podcast episode. So, 
just want to let you know. All right. So the notes here I wrote down, procrastination is gift. Uh, you don't have to, you don't have a procrastination problem. You have an unworthy goal problem that led, that came from the recollection of that Tony Robbins quote that I just shared with you. You don't have a procrastination problem. You have a life not worth living problem. So those are the first two things I wrote down. And then I said, I wrote this down. It says, uh, went, oh, it's a Steve Jobs quote. So this isn't an act. I actually transcribed this audio clip from Steve Jobs. So let me cue it up and play this for you. Uh, this is from the Stanford commencement address in 2005. And Steve Jobs said this. When I was 17, I read a quote that went something like, if you live each day as if it was your last, someday you'll most certainly be right. It made an impression on me, and since then, for the past 33 years, I have looked in the mirror every morning and asked myself, if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I am about to do today? And whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, I know I need to change something. There have been so many times that I've heard this quote, and this quote has had a radical and profound impact in my life. I heard this entire speech in 2005. I've listened to it hundreds of times since 2005. I've I've got transcription that which I personally made of the entire thing even though the transcription is available elsewhere online. I felt that pretty much every single word that Steve Jobs chose to include in this thing was so powerful and so intentional that I wanted the benefit of hearing it over and over and over again listening to it, hearing it, and then also typing it into my notes, transcribing it so that it would be driven even more deeply into my own subconscious mind so that this would become a part of my programming as I resonated with every single word that was spoken in his talk. And this little section here is so potent and so powerful. Now, what I will tell you is the, the clip that I just played 30 seconds. It was 30 seconds within the overall speech that he gave. But it is so incredibly powerful, and I think there is so much to highlight here. So first of all, he said, when I was 17 years old, I read the quote that was something like, if you live each day of your life as if it were your last, someday you'll most certainly be right. There is something to be said about recognizing that life is, as we know it, in our physical form, in this material world, is going to end. There's a real benefit to becoming consciously aware of that fact. And there is a real benefit in my mind, or at least in my own experience, there has been a massive benefit when I actually consider the fact that I'm not supposed to live my life as though I'm guaranteed 99 years on this planet or 100 years on this planet. In fact, there, you know what? I, I didn't in, intend to bring this up. And so I'm going to have to edit this out, maybe the silence as I look this up. But last night I was playing around on Clubhouse and I was sharing with somebody. It's a real crown. Oh, hold on one second. It's not the crown. Okay. So last night I was hanging out on Clubhouse with some friends and sharing with them some of my favorited clips on TikTok. And I was expressing, you know, I, one of the reasons why I love TikTok is because I have taught it what it is that I most desire to engage with as far as content, the, the type of inspirational, motivational content and conversations and thought-provoking ideas. And this is Larry King interviewing Neil DeGrice Tyson, I don't know if I say his name correctly, but anyway, he actually was asked, do you fear death? If you could live forever, would you? Yes. Okay, sure, that's an attractive idea. The way I look at it is, it is the knowledge that I'm going to die that creates the focus that I bring to being alive. The urgency of accomplishment the need to express love now, not later. If we live forever, why ever even get out of bed in the morning? 
because you always have tomorrow. That's not the kind of life I want to lead. But why don't you fear not being around? I fear living a life where I could have accomplished something and didn't. That's what I fear. I, I don't fear death. Be ashamed to die until you have scored some victory for humanity. That last clip, be ashamed to die until you have accomplished some victory for humanity. That's that the music was a little bit high and intense in the background there. But it's the knowledge that I'm going to die that creates the focus to being alive, that creates that sense of urgency towards the things that I want to create in this world. If I knew for a fact that I was going to live material, physically here in this world forever, and that I, I w- my body wouldn't degrade, my body would never get sick, and, and that every day is just, I'm going to have the same amount of effort and energy and power and everything else. Every single day, I'm going to be fully healthy and I'm going to live forever. Then I wonder if I would actually ever get out of bed is what he said. I love that quote. There's more there. I didn't transcribe that, obviously. I just pulled it out uh, at the last minute here because it just resonates right with this whole thing. So, if you live each day as though it were your last, one day you'll most certainly be its right. This is something that has been a part of most of the successful transformation in my life. And it happens, there's moments of clarity that I've received when those that I love have passed on. Certainly, you know, when when those that I love, like grandparents or great uncles, great aunts who have died in their 90s, their 80s, maybe even in their 70s. And of course, I used to think, you know, you know, somebody dying in their 60s or their late 50s was was seemingly a pretty long life as well, except for the fact that I'm quickly approaching 50 myself and I realize, okay, yeah, maybe that's not as far off. So the greater moments of clarity in my experience prior to now is back in the days when somebody in high school died right before graduation, somebody that was a part of my graduating class and somebody that I knew very well. Uh, it, it, it was, you know, a friend in college who was my age at, and, and we were the same age and in some of the same classes who was diagnosed with a very advanced case of cancer and had, had died later that year. Um, you know, it, it, it's cases like these that have brought the moments of clarity for me that, oh my gosh, life isn't guaranteed. And I, there are others. I'll just bring one more. I, there, I've, I've had the experience of seeing, obviously, as you have as well, a number of people in varying ages. But I'll, I'll also never forget a, a little child who was in preschool with my daughter, and my daughter and this girl were best friends, and I'll never forget her curly red hair. And she was diagnosed with an advanced case of leukemia, and uh, she died that year uh, in preschool. But uh, that that little girl lived every moment to its fu- her fullest, and showed up every day at preschool. So it, it's moments like that, faced with death faced with the knowledge of mortality of the fact that this this life that i'm living that is a gift that is a gift to know that i'm going to die it is a gift to know also not only that i'm going to die it's a gift to know that i'm not guaranteed tomorrow i i consider that a great gift so this question uh, Steve, Steve Jobs says, listen, that made an impression on me, and obviously he seemed to be a deep thinker about the things that he was approached with, as, as, as I am as well. And he says, I looked in the, since then, and he says, for the past 33 years, I've looked in the mirror every morning and asked myself. Now, again, I don't know that this is hyperbole. Did he actually do this every single morning? Did he literally look into the mirror and ask himself, if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I'm about ready to do today? I don't know that that actually, I don't know that that's a literal thing or if it's just, hey, this has been a routine practice in my life. If there's come, if in the morning, if there's, been a series of 
of, of days or weeks where I get up and I feel a little bit like that, just not excited about today. And he says, listen, whenever the answer to that question has been no for too many days in a row, I know I need to change something. And I have experienced this in my life as well. So it's not been my practice to say, hey, if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I'm about ready to do today? That's not necessarily been how I've evaluated this, but here's how, here's my version of that. There are seasons in my life when I keep a to-do list. I'm currently in a season where I have no such to-do list. The only thing I have are scheduled appointments on my calendar and occasionally if something that is a task that must be done, that, that means it's essential and that it's in alignment with my highest priority and that, I, and that I absolutely know it must get done. There is no ifs, ands, or buts. This is absolutely essential to getting what I most want out of life and what I must have as life that I've set as a standard for what life means to me at the highest level Occasionally, a task gets scheduled on my calendar for for being accomplished. I'm currently in a season of, of my life where I just do not keep a to-do list, though. You know, it's like, oh, that, that, maybe I should do that. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. And I've created a life where I don't need to do a lot. Uh, I, I've read the book Essentialism many years ago. I also read the book the one thing. If you've not read those two books, I encourage you to look them up. I think Essentialism might have been Greg McCallan, and The One Thing was uh, maybe Something Keller and Jay Papazan. I might be mixing those two books up, but I'm sure if you just look up the book Essentialism and you look up the book The One Thing, you'll find the two books that I'm referring to. I read those two books back to back, and they changed my life forever. Uh, one of the questions, by the way, in the big, or the one thing is, what is one thing that I could do today that if I did this one thing, it would make everything else on my list unimportant or completely unnecessary or make everything else infinitely easier or altogether unnecessary? That's the question. So the one thing is, what's one thing that I could do right now that would make everything else on my to-do list infinitely easier or altogether unnecessary. And then I'm going to go choose to do that one thing. Anyway, but there were times, let's just say, where I've had a season where I do keep a to-do list. And and my to-do list, when I am in a season of doing to-do lists, I'm an organizational freak. And let me tell you, I can get a to-do list on. And in fact, I have the app when I actually am using a to-do list. I use the Todoist app. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Todoist app, but if I click in here, uh, let's see here, Uh, Cliff Ravenscraft, 4,687 completed tasks is where I'm, is what I've achieved so far in this app. So, and again, I haven't done it in forever. There's a thing, they do this thing called Karma Goal, and it says that uh, if you know anything about karma levels, you can look those up inside of the app. But I am listed as a grand master, and my karma level is 23,906. Now, it says here that for me to get into the enlightened status inside of the app, I would need to complete 26,094 more tasks. So, go look it up. It's called the Todoist app, if you're into to-do lists. But... Here's what I can tell you is is what happened for me is in the seasons of my life where I would keep a to-do list, I would have, let's just, I would wake up one day and I'd have a list of, list of maybe three tasks that are super essential and then five to seven other tasks that I, I really should do, you know, it's, it, and, and quotes around should do or quotes around need to do or whatever, uh, And typically, when I, my my experience has been, whenever I have three tasks that are essential and five to seven tasks that I quote unquote should do, 
routinely I'd get maybe one of those essential tasks done that day. And I would put the other two essential tasks over to the next days. And then some of the quote unquote things that I should do probably didn't even get looked at. And totally fine with that. One might call that procrastination. And there was a season of my life when I called it procrastination. But eventually, I just stopped calling it procrastination and I called it intentional living. Uh, I am a huge fan of Earl Nightingale and he had an old audio program. It's 30 to 45 minutes in length. It's called The Strangest Secret. And one of the things he said in The Strangest Secret is this. He says, success is anyone who is doing what they're doing because they intentionally chose to do it. And I began to adopt that as a value, an affirmation, a truth, a belief in my life that what makes me successful, for me to consider myself a success, I am successful if I'm doing what I'm doing because I intentionally chose to do it. Now, the opposite of this is absolutely true for me as well, because I've adopted this as my belief. So, I also consider myself to be a success if I intentionally choose not, or I am a success if I am not doing something that's on my to-do list because I intentionally chose not to do it. So, therefore, because, and now some people call that procrastination. I call it intentional living. So, if I look at my life today and say, listen, if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do these things on my to-do list? And the answer is no. (laughs) And I actually don't ask myself that. The question is, is do I want to do the things that are on my list today? And the answer is no. And I ask myself, well, and, and I don't ask myself this consciously, But what I'm asking myself, when I ask myself the question, do I want to do what's on my to-do list today? And I say no. Really, there are layers to that question underneath the question, do I want to do it? The question is, is there an incredible massive amount of immediate pain that I will get if I put this off? And if the answer is no, then I put it off. And if there's another layer to the question, is uh, is there a massive amount an immense amount of pleasure that I will gain by doing this thing that's on my to-do list. If, if the answer is no to that, it's likely to be put off as well. So really, in essence, the only thing I'm going to truly do that's ever been on my to-do list is something that if I do this, I will gain immense pleasure by doing this today, and I will avoid massive immediate pain by, by doing this today. And so those are the things that I get done today and everything else I intentionally move to the next day. Now, the only time I ever struggled with procrastination and and quotes around procrastination, the only time I ever struggled with it is when I allowed myself to see it as a bad thing rather than the gift that procrastination is to me. So for me, the only time I ever felt bad about it is where I would actually have these things on my to-do list, and then at the end of the day, I'd look at the to-do list, and I'd see that there were three essential things that I said I had to get done today, and I only did one or two of them, so there's one essential thing that I didn't do, and let's just say there were five to seven tasks that were, quote-unquote, should be done, and I did one of them because it was pleasurable, you know, uh, and, and I skipped all the others. And then I just looked at it and then I walked away from my list. And then I show up the next day and I start looking at the list and it's like, oh my gosh, this is overwhelming. There's a large number of things on this list right here. And then, of course, if I did that day after day after day, before I know it, I wake up one morning, typically right around the third week of the month, and I'm like, oh my gosh, 47 uncompleted tasks And all of those are before the ones that are scheduled to be due today. And then all of a sudden I feel overwhelmed and out of control and I I begin to tell myself the story that I'm so undisciplined and I lack self-control and oh my gosh, I'm a terrible person and I'm so overwhelmed and I can't get myself to do anything. When I began to really succeed in life was when at the end of the day, I'd say, or at the beginning of the day, I'd look at that to-do list 
and say, you know what, what's, what, out of all these things, let me just say, are there, here are the top three things that I would do. And, and I'm going to actually categorize these essential things in the order of priority. Out of these three things, what's the one task out of the three that would make all of the other tasks infinitely easier or altogether unnecessary? And then I would actually prioritize those three tasks. And then I'd look at those five to seven things that I quote unquote should do, and I'd prioritize those. But let's just say it's two o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm looking at my to-do list. I checked off that first thing, that big thing that I did. Boom. That's awesome. I am a success because I did that because I intentionally chose to do it. Yay. Success equals Cliff Ravenscraft. I equals success. I feel great about myself. Second task. This one was essential. I got that one done too. Awesome. Boom. Third task on my list. It's two o'clock in the afternoon. I still got a couple hours left in my afternoon. And I've just been presented with the opportunity to go out with my wife and kids to go do something impromptu that they would love to do. And let's just say my daughter's home from college, uh, my son is off work today, and and we're just all together, all five of us, let's just go do this. Do you want, we're going out to do this, would you like to go with us? That's been presented to me. Hmm, well, let me look at my to-do list here at two o'clock in the afternoon. Well, third thing that quote-unquote must be done today or is essential to do today. And then I ask myself, would I experience massive immediate pain if I put this off? No. Would I gain massive, like immense amount of pleasure if I do this instead of going out and hanging out with my family? Well, there would be pleasure and there would be some pain But you know what, when I compare that to the pleasure that I'll get from creating this memory with my family this afternoon, this opportunity for all five of us to be together and to go spend this lovely blue sky day, awesome weather day with them, you know what, I'm going to take this third essential item today and I'm going to intentionally move it to tomorrow. Boom. I just, now, I just chose not to do that essential item today. I intentionally I chose not to do that today and move it to tomorrow. That means I am a success because I did not do something that I didn't do because I intentionally chose not to do it. That makes me a success. Boom, move to tomorrow. Now, I look at all of those other five to seven tasks. Let's just say I randomly I did one of those tasks because it just came up in my inbox and I'm like, here, let me go do that. Boom, done. Now, let's just say there were five of those tasks. Now I've marked off four of them. Now, instead of just leaving those things unchecked, I'm going to now choose to move those to later days in the week. It's like, okay, tomorrow is... Uh, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to move this one to Monday, This one, these two to Tuesday, and there's one more. I'm going to move this one to Wednesday next week. Now, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. I've only done three tasks, two of the three att- int- uh, essential ones, one of the non-essential, and I've got all these other tasks that I didn't do, but it's two o'clock in the afternoon. Because I've procrastinated or put those other tasks off to later next week or whatever, now all of a sudden my to-do list is empty and I'm going to go spend this time with my family. I feel like an absolute success because I am doing what I'm doing because I intentionally chose to do it. Procrastination is a gift that I have. Procrastination is a gift of me living my life intentionally procrastination says that I'm in control. I'm creating a life by my design, not someone else's. I get to choose what has to be done today and what doesn't have to be done today. That's because I'm in control. I'm in charge. I choose these things based upon what desired outcomes I want in life. So procrastination is a gift for me. And so now I come in the next day. Let's just say it's I, I have the whole weekend off. I come in on Monday and there are no overdue tasks. First and foremost, gosh, does that feel good. But then I look now, today, there's a, there's a whole long list of things. Now, let's just say there are, I've determined there are three essential tasks today on Monday. And because a couple weeks ago, I put a couple more tasks today, there's like seven, let's just say there's now 12 unessential tasks. You know, but they, quote unquote, should be done. You know what I'm saying, right? And what happens is, for me, 
when it, when he says he says if today were the he goes uh, and whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, I know I need to change something. And so my version of that is occasionally I'll wake up one day if I'm really in charge of my to-do list like I normally am in a season when I'm using to-do lists. I will wake up and I might say, oh, here are some things that are due today. And it says you have 37 tasks due today. No overdue tasks, but here are 37. But then I just quickly browse through them and say, are any of these essential? If not, if so, I give them a red flag. Okay, now let me prioritize those three essential things and boom. Now, is there any of these other ones that have been put off? Like for example, I, I like to look at tasks that have been put off week after week after week after week after week after week. I, I don't know if you've ever done those things. I, I have done them all of the time. And here's what I have come to grips with. If all of a sudden something that has been on my to-do list for let's just say the last three months and I keep, just keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And every time I'm putting it off, I'm asking myself, do I really need to do this? Do I really desire this? Is this an essential thing? If the answer is no, too many days in a row or too many weeks in a row or too many months in a row, I eventually just delete it off my to-do list. It's not important. Gosh, there are times when I'm like, create self-study podcasting course. <laughs> Do you know how many times that was on my to-do list? Ah, I if I had to guess over a decade, create self-study podcast course. That was on my to-do list at least a hundred different times. Now, by the way, if if the if I would have, if I would have done that task the first time it was ever on my list, and I completed it exactly to the standards of which I would have completed said task, and I would have made that available for purchase, I would have generated millions of dollars more in income over the past decade than I currently have accumulated over the past decade. Millions of dollars more. Now, do I consider myself to be a success based upon the fact that I never did that task. I, I always, every, each of the 100 times that the task, Create Self-Study Podcast Course, was put on my list, every single time it was on my list, it got moved to, you know, the next day, the next day, the next day, and eventually I just stopped moving it to the next day, and I said, to the next week, to the next week, to the next week, and eventually I got sick of moving it every week, and I began to put it in the first week of the next month, first week of the next month, first week of the next month, until eventually I deleted it off my list, and I said, I obviously don't want to do this. I Now, does that mean I'm not successful? No, I intentionally chose not to do it. See, for me, it, creating that actually equaled more pain in my life. Yes, I know of the pleasure that could be there. The pleasure of, of generating all of that income just was, the question, there's a three-word question that I like to ask whenever I think about something I'm going to do. When you tell me about all of the pleasure that I would get if you would just go and create that self-study course, and by the way, I can, can't begin to tell you the number of times when my green room mastermind, Cliff, if you would just do this, do you know what? I'm like, listen, three words, at what cost? At what cost? I, I know millions of dollars, I get it. And, and, and so my argument to the green room is like this, do you know how much money I would make today if I didn't leave my career as an insurance agent? My dad has since retired, sold the business. I'd own that insurance agency today. Do you know that I'd be making a, I, an incredibly large amount of money if I didn't leave my career as an insurance agent in December 2007? Are you saying that I should go back and tell my former self to stop putting off all of my insurance work and stuff like that that was on my to-do list and stop all of this crazy nonsense of dreaming about a life outside of insurance and I should just stick to it because look at how much money you could make if you just stick with this insurance thing. If you could just stop procrastinating, if you could just get a little self-discipline in your life and show up and be responsible and do your insurance career, Cliff, why don't you do that? 
And of course, when I make that argument to the Green Room Mastermind, they say, okay, Cliff, fair enough. We understand your heart's not in podcasting anymore. I said, that's exactly right. My heart's not in podcasting anymore. And so that's what I love about this Steve Jobs quote. He says, listen, and whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, I know I need to change something. And this is how I'm gonna relate this. If there's been something that you've been procrastinating on, whether you keep a to-do list or not, if there's something that you've needed to do and you keep putting it off 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 and you keep putting it off, ask yourself, does something need to change? Does something need to change? Do you have a self-discipline issue? Or do you have an unworthy goal issue? Do you have a procrastination problem? Or do you have a problem of living a life that's not worth living? That's my question. And for me, when I think about my insurance career, uh, back in uh, back in what was it, 2007, I had been podcasting as a hobby for over a year at that point. And for the first decade of my career as an insurance agent, I was an incredibly driven person. But after a year of podcasting as a hobby, I began to procrastinate on a number of my tasks related to my insurance job. I was, I, I, by the way, I used to work 50, 60 hours a week, not because I had to, not because I was behind, but because I was driven. You see, I once considered my work as an insurance agent to be my highest calling to ministry in life, in service to those within my community. You see, I was, I, I and not only in service of those in my community, but it also tied to my value of being a, the prov- financial provider for my wife and children. I loved my career as an insurance agent until I hated it. I want you to hear that again. I loved my career as an insurance agent, and I saw it as my highest calling to ministry and service to those in my community. I loved it until I despised it. And why did I make the shift from loving it to despising it? It happened because this massive shift occurred in my mind when I came to the realization that the work that I was doing through podcasting, creating content that was entertaining, educational, encouraging, and inspirational, that all of a sudden, just by sitting behind a microphone, I could share my voice and my message, my experiences, the things that I'm learning, and people are writing me handwritten letters saying they've chosen not to commit suicide because of a piece of content I put into the world. The, I've got hundreds of people who said, Cliff, because of the content that you've created, my family is now debt-free. I've got people who have written me handwritten thank you cards that says, listen, because of you, my children have a dad in their life. There's this one specific uh, handwritten thank you card that tells the story, says, listen, 17 years ago, I left my wife and my kids for a younger woman. And I have been living this carefree lifestyle and all this other stuff and blah, blah, blah. And just listening to you, I have come back to a major reawakening in my connection with God, and I realized just how far off the beaten path I've gotten. I had heard the story of the prodigal son in Sunday school as a child over and over again, not realizing that it was actually foretelling my future, and I realized just how far. I'm currently in a situation where I have the the greatest desire to reconcile with my wife. I'm not sure if that's possible. But because of you and the content that you've shared, I've reconnected with God. And for the first time in years, I am actively involved in my children's lives. Thank you for the content you create. You see, a massive shift had occurred in my mind when I came to the realization that the work that I was doing in podcasting, that was now my highest calling to ministry. In service, not just to my local community, but in, in service to the global community. And from that point forward, I began to procrastinate. 
instead of working 50 to 60 hours a week, not because I had to, but because I was driven to sell that many policies and and I didn't want to uh, take up time with clients to process all of the paperwork, I came back on the weekends and during the evenings to do all the paperwork because I wanted to I wanted to invest as much time educating and encouraging these clients to take their lives seriously, get out of debt, become debt-free, buy this life insurance, go begin to educate yourself on how to create your dreams in life and all of this stuff. And and that was the life back when I loved it until all of a sudden I realized that I could have that impact the same conversation I was having with one client in the office for two and a half hours that same two and a half hours, I could record a piece of content where I teach that information and it has and it reaches tens of thousands of people or hundreds of thousands of people. And I'm like, oh, this is my great. So at the day job, I became a procrastinator. And at the day job, I became a daydreamer. At the day job, I lacked all drive. And I and, and this, by the way, I'm going back to what I wrote in my journal this morning or this afternoon when I came down here inspired to create this piece of content. I wrote down here, I thank God that I did not seek help in ending the procrastination at the insurance office. And I said, and then I wrote, also, I refuse to accept the label of quote unquote lack of self-discipline. And then as soon, and, and I actually recognized that that was a lie as I was writing that. And I put, wait exclamation mark, this is not true. I actually did label myself as someone who had no self-discipline. That Matter of fact, I, I actually suffered a lot of self-condemnation in 2007 and, and, and part of 2006 as well. Uh, but I, I, when I was at the insurance office, I beat myself up all the time about how much I was putting off, how far behind my tasks at the day job were getting. But you know what? I, I, t- looking back, hindsight, I now clearly see that I never lacked self-discipline. There was nothing to beat myself up about. It just became, the, it, the, the fact is, is that while there was a season of my life, just over a decade, I think I was in insurance for 12 years, and for 10 of those 12 years, just over 10 of those 12 years, just over 10 of those 12 years, I saw my insurance work as my single greatest calling to ministry in, wor- in this world in service to my community. But then there became a time when Going to the insurance office Monday through Friday was not a life worthy of living anymore. I want to tell you a story. I won't go into all of the details, but I, through a conversation with some influential people in my life, some people questioned whether or not my priorities were in the right place, whether I was living a responsible lifestyle. Seems, Cliff, that you've become a little bit obsessive, compulsive with creating all this content. It seems like that's what's capturing all of your attention. And we're just wondering if your priorities are in the right place. I'll just leave the details to that factor. Some of you have been around long enough, you know the bigger picture story behind all of that. And I'm just not in a place where I want to, or not the time right now where I want to go into that story because it's not relevant to the conversation that the but that procrastination is a gift in my mind. So I'll just say that I, as a result of my respect for their wisdom uh, and, and my belief that they uh, had my best interests at heart, I began to take all of that into account with all the self-guilt, the guilt and self-condemnation that I was experiencing uh, because I was procrastinating, things were getting behind. I was working, I was at the insurance office, my minimum or my required minimum of 40 hours a week. And even though I was there 40 hours a week, I was probably only mentally there 15, maybe 20, 25 hours a week. But most of my, in my mind going back, uh, most of my time I was just daydreaming about stuff. Uh, content I would create. I was outlining podcast episodes based upon emails that I was reading in the middle of the day, you know. And intentionally, sometimes I would I would try to wait until lunchtime, and, and instead of going to lunch, I would on my lunch break spend. I'd bring my lunch to work, and I'd read my emails and respond to them. And let's just say I go to lunch at twelve, and I have until one. Uh, but rather than stop responding to emails at one. 
the next thing I know, it's 3.30 in the afternoon, and I haven't done any of the things that are on my to-do list at the day job. Sound familiar? And, and so I had an issue with procrastination, right? And so I felt all of this guilt, and then these, these people that I respected their authority came and said, Cliff, we're questioning your priorities, and we think maybe you're not living the responsible life that God would want you to live. And so not, not many people know this, but I decided to stop podcasting. I, be, I, I actually saw myself. It's like, listen, I, I, this, this has become a distraction. And f- for the first time in my life, as far as I can recall, I experienced depression. It was the first time in my life I can ever recall experiencing depression. I made the decision to stop creating podcasts. By this time, I was producing at least five to seven podcast episodes a week of various different shows that I was producing. And that might be a gross underestimation of the number of podcast episodes I was producing at the time. But what happened is I, I decided to stop creating all content. I said, listen, I need to get serious. Gosh, I have this great career as an insurance agent. I'm next in line to take over this agency. I know how much money I could make. Uh, you know, I, I, I've really, I, I used to see this as the work that God has called me to do and look at me not being responsible to do this work that God's blessed me to do and, and the way that it serves people. And I'm just not showing up that same way. And, I, and these people have come to me and says this, and you know what, I, maybe they're right. And I stopped podcasting. And I will tell you, that, hap- that conversation happened on a Sunday, and I, I went to work on Monday, and I showed up about five minutes before I had to be there. And I woke up about 15 minutes before that, just barely enough time to get up, jump out of bed, get clothes on. And all I could do that entire day, that entire Monday, I was lethargic, I had no energy, and I didn't want to do anything. I didn't do anything. I mean, I sure, I picked up the phone, I faxed that proof of insurance card and all this other stuff, but man, anything that could potentially be put off without you know me causing issues, um, I always got what had to be done, don't get me wrong, but, but anything that didn't absolutely have to be done right then, right there, I wasn't about to do it, and all I could think about all day was how many hours before I get to go home and go to bed. Not how many hours before I can go home and kiss my wife and hug my kids and and all this other stuff, have dinner with the family, sit down and enjoy an evening with them. Nope. How many hours before I can go home and and and, and remove myself from this consciousness of the pain and the void that I feel. And then Tuesday came around and it was the same thing. Friday came around. You see, I did not have an issue or a problem with procrastination. I had an issue where I had just created an an instance where I had a life not worthy of living anymore. You see, what what had driven me for 10 years, what had got me to where I was, wasn't what was necessary to get me to where I was called to go next, where I was called to go next. After a week of despondency and despair and all this other stuff, it became clear, dude, I, 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 I actually, I can't not podcast. I can't not create content. I can't not use my voice to entertain, encourage, educate, encourage, and inspire people. This is what, this is, look at these letters, look at these emails that keep coming in. This is, this is my greatest opportunity. This is my greatest ministry. And when I started podcasting again, my life came back to me again. And then it became clear and, and it, it became obvious that something needs to change. What did Steve Jobs say? He says, and whenever the answer had been no for too many days in a row, I know that something, I need to change something. You know, I I just want to say this. I am so incredibly thankful that I didn't seek help to put an end to my procrastination so that I could get back into the responsible way of living that that everybody thought that I should do. Dude, Cliff, you've got financial security. Do you not see what's happening on the financial horizon in our economy here in 2007? We're we're getting ready to head towards a global economic collapse. And you're daydreaming leaving your day job? Do you know how many people are getting laid off? Do you know how many people are getting fired? Do you know how many people are getting cut back? Do you know how many people are suffering this? And you got a guaranteed, cushy, high, uh, you know, uh, 
high income generating job. You're next in line. I mean, dude, do you know how blessed you are? What kind of idiot do you think you are to think about leaving your day job as an insurance agent to go do what? Your hobby on the side? Come on, Cliff, get real, get responsible. Stop procrastinating. My friends, that procrastination in my day job was a great gift for me. It was a great gift. Um, and, and when I look back, it, I didn't, I, at the time, I felt a ton of guilt. And at the time, I, felt, I, I, had, I gave myself a lot of self-condemnation. And at the time, I had a little bit of help from the outside with some condemnation. But you want to know something? When I look back, I never, ever, ever lacked self-discipline. It's just that I, I had little tolerance for the non-essential. I had little tolerance for the non-important. I had little tolerance for things that were a lower priority in my life than the higher priorities in my life. And that's why when, when people come to me and say, Cliff, I really need help. I'm struggling because I'm procrastinating at my day job and I just really need to get better at my day job. My first question is, let's talk about what you truly want in life. And, and you know what? There have been times as a coach, I have helped people who, where it became clear, became obvious that they do want to succeed in their day job, that that is what they truly want, and it does align with their values. And there are some times, on a few rare occasions, where it's just some neuroassociation issues, where they've linked up some pain to doing something because of the things that they've uh, heard or seen or witnessed when they were a kid and, and stuff like that. And we can overcome that, reframe some things, and get them super excited and super motivated to do something in their job. I personally, as a coach, I am a master reframer. But here's what I can tell you. When a client comes to me, or a potential client comes to me, when a person comes to me and says, Cliff, can you help me end my procrastination and get me to do the things that I really should do in my day job? The answer to that question is always yes. I can always get anybody to do anything. That it, There's just something, it's, it's called neuroassociation, and, and I can help you with that. But before I do that, let's just make sure that that's what you really want. And I didn't have all of this stuff in hindsight. I'm so incredibly thankful just to, to be able to look back and reevaluate my own life and just see how things worked out. But I'm thrilled that, that nobody hired me a coach to get me more uh, focused back on my day job in 2007. I, I can't imagine, man, those of you who know what my life has been like since January 2008 and the life that I have today, man, I, I, could you imagine me? A guy in Northern Kentucky and and that I own an insurance agency where 40 hours a week, actually, if I, if I own the insurance agent, 40, 60 hours a week, every single week, I sit in the same desk, behind the same desk, pushing the same paperwork day after day after day, year after year after year in my life. And me, Cliff Ravenscraft, I'm limited to conversations with approximately five to 10 people per day every day. And routinely, most of the time, the same people over and over again, week after week. Could you imagine a life where Cliff Ravenscraft is not behind a podcast microphone creating content, not on Clubhouse having conversations, not doing the coaching work, not doing conferences, not doing whatever it is. I just, I can't imagine that life. I'm so thrilled of the gift of procrastination in my life. It revealed to me that I had some unworthy goals in my day job, that the that continuing on as an insurance was not a life worth living any longer for me. And so when I recognize that this life as an insurance agent is, I don't care how much it served me, I don't care how much I loved it for over a decade, this life as an insurance agent is no longer a life that's worthy of living in my eyes. And the only life worth living I see moving forward is somebody where, or is an opportunity where I get a, the opportunity to use my voice, to share my life, 
to share my stories, to have conversations and have an incredibly powerful impact in the lives of others where I also get the benefit and the joy of creating content that's entertaining, educational, encouraging, and inspirational that has the opportunity today to reach hundreds of thousands of people around the world. Procrastination, my friends, that is why I do not see it as a problem, but as a gift. Mindset and to man.